You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 60. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. All right, welcome to The Business Marketing Show. On this episode, we have Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing back again, and we're talking uh, about Amazon again, but this time uh, we're talking about more advanced strategies to sell more, get more out of the Amazon platform, and go global. Welcome to the episode, Kiri. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. Good to be back. Hey, Kiri. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. So, where should we start? You've got a new book coming out uh, in, I think, 10 days on Amazon called The Amazon Expansion Plan. That's right. So, this is, um, we we had an episode a few, a couple of months ago at this point about sort of entry-level strategies about getting on Amazon, why it's important, why brands should consider launching on Amazon and the the first things that should be considered in in that area. And mm-hmm. this book, the Amazon Expansion Plan, there is there is certainly um, some introductory material about where, how, and why for brands that don't yet have any exposure to Amazon. But we get into a lot more advanced techniques and strategies that larger larger companies can use, as well as um, folks just starting out. And yep. so, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the book is about international expansion. And then, you know, how to make sure that your uh, that your product pages are delivering what the Amazon search algorithm wants to see, which is relevance, um, conversion rates, and sales velocity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what? Where would someone need to be in terms of a business? So, you know, someone's interested in picking up the book. Do they need to be already selling on Amazon, have an established business? Where, where do they need to be at? I guess is my question. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I would say that the, the most benefit that someone's going to get out of this if, is if they have an established product company and mm-hmm. there has been, there's, there's been a lot of um, selling on Amazon has really been, quite popular in the last couple of years for people just getting started in business. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of driven by the fact that Amazon makes it very easy for you to invest a couple thousand dollars to a few thousand dollars by purchasing products on Alibaba, you know, sourcing some stuff in China, potentially putting your own brand name on it and coming up with with some nice photos and some interesting copy and putting it on Amazon. And they handle all of the logistics and delivery stuff. So you can be you can be located in Australia, you can be located anywhere, buy stuff wholesale in China, sell it on Amazon in the US, and make a lot of money. And that has been <clears throat> similar to I'm sure what you guys have seen several years back with things like affiliate marketing and mm-hmm. you know see some of these entrepreneurial flavor of the month things that come come and go. So there's been a lot of this pri- they call it private labeling activity um, over the last couple of years. There's been a few changes that Amazon has made in the last few months that have made it more difficult to get started from scratch. So they took away, previously you could give away products in exchange for reviews, product reviews, which are very important for consumer trust and 
and um, like social proof. So yep. that practice, mm. it was completely, it was fine at the time. And, and frankly, it's something that gets done in a lot of industries, you know, like food critics going to restaurants and um, bloggers getting products to, to write reviews about it. And there are federal guidelines, certainly in the US, the Federal Trade Commission has guidelines. If you receive something for free, then you should disclose it. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. there was this whole industry of essentially marketplaces of review reviewers, just like average average consumers and brands who needed reviews. And so the exchange was a free or discounted product in exchange for reviews. And Amazon got rid of that whole practice bit. I wouldn't say it was completely unexpected, but it was very sudden mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah. that sent, particularly for the private labelers who had pretty much a playbook of launching, you know, getting the products, branding them, doing hundreds of giveaways for reviews in order to rank in the algorithm and, and get reviews, that is kind of gone away. And I think that these days you really do need to have an established brand or at least, you know, some discernibly unique product outside of Amazon and look at Amazon as a sales channel rather than creating an Amazon business. Yep. Yeah. I totally get that's my rant. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds like solid solid advice because I mean you look at anything in the history of when things come and go and get uh, chopped in and out by the likes of Google or Amazon, they're always shortcuts. They're never Yes. Built on solid foundations that are built for growth. And, um, and no one begins with the end in mind. They're not saying, what's the end goal of this business? So we're going to build it up to be this, you know, whatever size business and then we can sell it. But it's a complete separate entity. It's not just some sort of sideline review channel. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've spoken to a lot of people over the last few weeks about it. And I think, like it sounds like it's a bad thing on the surface, but I think for established businesses, it's mm-hmm. great because it gets it filters out the get rich quick people, people in mm-hmm. there f- trying to make a quick buck about it, you know off a gap in the platform. Basically, mm-hmm. I don't. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it, it it's going to make things a little bit more challenging for any. Let's say let's say you do have an established brand outside of Amazon and you sell in retail stores or you have a very popular e-commerce. Um, platform but you don't have any presence on Amazon it'll still be very it'll still be difficult more difficult for you to get started on Amazon because you won't be able to get that critical baseline of reviews and that it it definitely does create a catch-22 situation if you've got no reviews you get no sales Um, but that's why it is more important than ever to have some traction outside of Amazon so that you can do things like influencer marketing and reaching out to bloggers and social media influencers and get them to be driving traffic to your Amazon listings, maybe doing things like um, promoting the fact that you're on Amazon to your ex- existing customers or followers. And you might not want to be – there are some strategies around that. Like gen- generally you'll find that your margin may be less on Amazon because of the fees that they take and some other factors. So Potentially, you don't want to have your entire assortment on Amazon. You want to have a limited assortment and drive some traffic to that so that you can begin to get some traction and, and credibility with your listings and have Amazon recognize those products as being popular and then back off. But you certainly couldn't do that if you were starting 
from from scratch unless you're just running a lot of paid PPC to those um, product listings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what about, so there's also a lockout, right, on new FBA sellers until, new Amazon FBA sellers until the end of the year. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So that was another kind of, that was a big unexpected change. Um, so they, I believe it, it really comes down to their kind of bursting at the seams at their fulfillment centers, even though they've got a hundred of them, over a hundred of them in the States. And they've just, they've just hired 120,000 seasonal workers at wow. Amazon, Whoa. which is 20% more than they did last year. They're building tons of new fulfillment centers. They, <clears throat> they've bought a fleet of, uh, airplanes, you know, that. Amazon is becoming a logistics company. It's really interesting mm. to see that unfold. And they're really, they they can't rely on FedEx and UPS, which are the main, uh, the two main private uh, carriers in the States. So they've been, dis- they've been let down in previous years by those logistics carriers. So they're investing in their own fulfillment um, infrastructure. And what I think will be very interesting is to see if they will ultimately go down the route of offering that on a wholesale basis to uh, consumers and and businesses like they did with AWS. So they're building all of this infrastructure that could could be rented um, on a wholesale basis to third parties, but um, they're not quite there yet. They're investing a lot in their fulfillment, but they've just they've run out of space at the warehouse and so they basically put a block on any new brands on the platform that hadn't created shipments prior to October uh, 1, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, through to after uh, uh, December 16, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is – this is what I mean. I make my <laughs> – I have two businesses that are based around Amazon, basically, and so I'm obviously a big fan of Amazon, but mm-hmm. I'm also very cautious and genuinely, generally dissuade people from building their entire business around Amazon and using it as a as the sole channel because things like this can happen. Oh, they can yeah, close down sure. your listing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a conversation yep. we've always had, hasn't it, Brendan? Isn't it, Brendan? I should say. Um, <laughs> we, we talk about channels, regardless of whether it's sales channels or distribution channels, in the same sort of uh, tone, because you know, we've all probably known someone that's had their Google AdWords account suspended or their Facebook advertising campaign suspended or whatever the reason is. They've had something suspended that has been a major source of their income. And it's the one-legged mm. bar stool scenario. You know, it's very, very, very unsafe to sit on and potentially going to fall yeah. over. And that's what happens. The same with Amazon. And that's great that you brought that yep. up because I've had multiple conversations with small business owners over the last couple of months who want to get their products on Amazon. They're saying, how do we go about yep. doing this whole process? And I say, well, it just happens. We've just recorded an interview with the best <laughs> person that you ever want to listen to about this stuff, Kiri Masters. And anyway, I go in to explain in my basic uh, knowledge of it because I'm by no way means an expert on this subject. Obviously, you can tell that, can't you, Kiri? And uh, lucky I wrote a book about it. Yeah, you lucky you wrote yes, and I'm, I will read the book. So, uh, and it's <laughs> but they they have no clue what is involved in doing this. And uh, right. I'm, not, I'm not telling them to say don't do it. I'm saying be aware of yep. what you're actually getting yourself into, and what this is exactly what you're saying in your book. Yeah, exactly. And there is 
there is a lot of information out there about how to get started on Amazon. There's, you know, I, I wrote a book about it, which covers off a lot of territory, but there's, there's tons of information out there. It's completely possible to do this yourself. And a lot of, you can see that thousands and thousands of other people and businesses have, have gone down this path before you. So it's absolutely possible. And it's something that every brand should consider doing. And I think that what, the three of us are in agreement on is that it shouldn't be pursued as the sole set, uh, sales and distribution yes. strategy for a business. And the other thing that I certainly see at, at Bobsled, where we work with larger brand, larger consumer brands um, who sell through multiple channels, and Amazon is one of them, is that they are focused on diversifying not just with their sales channels, but with their assortment as well. So, and that, that's a trap that's very easy to fall into if you're just getting started doing the private label kind of thing is that you focus in on just one or two products and you endlessly optimize them and then you're like looking at the, the ranking of your keyword, every of keywords for one or two products instead of actually reinvesting and diversifying in your assortment and making it more stable from that standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes very good sense. Yep. Cool. Let's uh let's switch gears for a bit. Um, let's talk about some practical stuff. So yep. say for and you know a business is just got listed on FBA or they've been on there for a few months, have a little bit of traction, they're an established e-commerce business. Let's say they're selling guitars. Um, what what next? So you know they need to I guess in terms of marketing strategy or marketing plan, first steps would be to optimize the listings to rank in Amazon search and then look at Amazon PPC. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to first of all, understand the Amazon ranking algorithm, Amazon, we covered this a little bit in the earlier episode, but Amazon is a search engine just like Google. And a lot of the things that Google cares about, Amazon cares about as well. So relevance is one of them making sure that you're, you've optimized your product listings for the search terms that people are looking for, which are relevant to your product. So if it's guitars, is that acoustic guitars or electric guitars? Are they pink guitars or, or classic wood guitars? And doing the keyword research to begin with, looking at what, have, what search terms have attractive search volumes, which are most relevant to your product, and then putting them into the places that Amazon picks up. So there's the back-end um, search terms of, of each product listing, which don't show on the page, but they're kind of the metadata. And then in the, the title, it's un- there's arguments both ways to say whether keywords are picked up in the bullet points and description sections. I mean, you may as, you may as well include those for the, the most high-volume keywords. So that's, re- that's relevance. The other factor that Amazon seems to care a lot about is sales velocity, so the number of sales that you've had relative to competing products over a recent period. So if your guitars are selling, you're selling 10 a week and a competitor is selling 100 a week, then your competitor is more likely to rank higher than you because Amazon can see that it's, a, it's been demonstrated to be a more popular product. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's another consideration. And then finally, conversion rate as well. So the extent, you know, the percentage of people that buy the product after viewing it. So understanding those three tenets, then, you, then you're going to be looking at keyword research and optimizing the listings for relevance. Mm-hmm. 
when it comes to sales velocity, there's some you could be sending external traffic to your Amazon listing. So we talked about things like influencer marketing or using your own customer lists to promote the fact that you're on Amazon. Yep. You can also be using PPC for that. And then with conversion rates, that comes down to um, optimizing the listing as well. Images, titles, reviews, Q&As, like the FAQs on your, mm-hmm. on your pages. Um, and then there's a few kind of fringe things that Amazon allows you to do, which um, can also help get some momentum in those areas. So there's actually, you can, you can create cross-sell offers on Amazon, which is you have your catalog of guitars and maybe there's some complimentary products. So you can say, if you buy this guitar, then you can get this amplifier for 50% off. And that offer actually shows up on the page. So that's an interesting um, thing that Amazon allows you to do just right natively within their platform. Yep. Um, Some other tactics that brands use, there's um, lightning deals, which is Mm -hmm. a, which is a program that Amazon used to keep a little more um, closed. Now they've kind of opened it up. So it's lightning deals are like, heavily discounted promotions that run over a four hour time frame. Mm-hmm. And it's the effectiveness of that really, <laughs> it depends on a lot because there's so many lightning deals available to consumers. Now people can go to that deals page and kind of look through the deals and see what's interesting. What seems to have the biggest effect uh, one you can control, which is the percentage off that you give. So you, if you're an 80% off d- deal is going to do better than one that's um, 30% off, for example. But then the other thing is you don't have any control over when Amazon, what time of the day Amazon runs your deal. Oh, okay. So one that runs at 2 a.m. <laughs> is not going to be as effective as one that runs at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. So. Yep. Those lightning deals, um, for anyone that's selling on Amazon already, they're available in your dashboard. You can see which deals Amazon has invited you to. You should should definitely engage with that, even though it's you can't necessarily see how effective it's going to be until you've run it. Yeah. That can help with sales velocity as well. Yeah. Would you say you need to be strategic around that? Like it's, you know, you do a deal on a new product or something, you have excess inventory on, is there a time yeah. you should and shouldn't do that? Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky because there can be so much variability in how popular your deal is because of the time of the day. But you mm-hmm. want to have, you certainly do want to have a lot of inventory. It's This is a Goldilocks problem though because um, if you don't have enough inventory, you sell out and you, you don't make the most of that deal and especially what you should be doing with those lightning deals is having those cross-sell offers on your page. So if you are running a lightning deal for product A, you should be promoting product B on the same page. That would be ideal. But I do know some brands who they really invest in a lot of inventory because they have a lightning deal coming up, but then it runs at a bad time and then they're overstocked and that's, you know, that's as much of a problem for many businesses being overstocked of inventory than not having enough. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Um, and another tactic which can help with um, which can help with conversions and sales velocity is using a post-purchase email sequence to follow mm-hmm. up with customers after they've bought from you. Yep. So 
this is this is one one more of those. It's it's not it's it's kind of a loophole that I think Amazon. One of my predictions for next year is that they will kind of close this up a little bit. But when you when you're looking at Amazon as a sales channel, it's important to remember that that customer is Amazon's customer, and they give you no permission and basically no method of contacting their customers after they've bought from you, except if you're sending them a message about their product related to delivery and checking in with them like to, to do some customer service. Mm-hmm. So so many sellers are using that opportunity to send an email through Amazon's messaging system where both your email and the recipient's email are, mar- are masked. Yep. And to say something like, hey, customer, hope you're loving your new guitar. We're a small company. We're, you know, just a, a home-based business and your reviews are really important to us so please leave us a review here's a link mm-hmm. um that's quite a popular practice the reason i think amazon will will kind of put some restrictions on that is that it's after they've gotten rid of the incentivized review right. uh capability that a lot of sellers will be just sending sending annoying emails, <laughs> uninventive emails, yep. things that don't really add any value and, and customers could get annoyed by that pretty quickly. So yeah, uh, yep. I'd certainly be using that uh, opportunity while it's still available and yep. creating messages which are ge- um, genuinely helpful and powerful. So yep. what would be a better idea than just sending someone immediate a couple of days after delivery do you like your new guitar? Please write us a review. Actually providing some value to the customer about how to the best way to care for their new guitar or maybe some like other material that's going to be really helpful for them. Maybe a coupon for a complimentary product of yours like that amplifier or something similar. Yep. So you're adding value, maybe do that a couple of times and then, um, and then ask for for a review rather than just jumping in and asking for a review right away. Yeah. One thing we found particularly with e-commerce and on FBA um, that works really well, especially it works well for like simple products as well that don't have, you know, a cross sale or anything related is just asking the customer if the products arrived and having the email go at a time where you know like 95% of the products are going to arrive. So like 10 mm. or 14 days after after the thing shipped. So like a simple email we found is is awesome because it it gives you an opportunity to ask for the review and it gets you ahead of customer service issues if something hasn't yep. arrived as just simple email with the subject. Did your order arrive okay? And just a you know short blurb, just checking in to see if it arrived. Did it arrive in one piece? Would love any feedback you have, good or bad. Mm. Um, you can hit reply on this email, or if you prefer to leave leave a formal review, here's the link for it. And we found that that it's a way to get the review without seeming like you're really needy or like you're just mm-hmm. hitting the customer up for a review. Um, and you'll get like one out of twenty where the product hasn't arrived or something's gone wrong. So it's kind of a nice customer service thing as well. Yeah, definitely. That you're totally right. That can head off any bad. That can head off some bad reviews, and it can help to prompt some good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's definitely. Who knows how long that feature will be available to us, or if they will um, take that away at some point in the future. But those are still genuine product reviews that are written from customers mm-hmm. that have purchased at full price. So take advantage of that while it's available to you. Yeah, yeah. 
One question I have, do you have, you know, obviously you can drive traffic from other places to the listings. Is there somewhere you'd start with that, like AdWords for search, Facebook ads? Where, If you were driving paid traffic from other sources, what would be kind of the first thing on your hit list? Yeah, I'd, it would be kind of product um, product category dependent from my mm-hmm. perspective. I see Pinterest as being a really really powerful driver of traffic in some categories, basically anything that's geared towards women, anything in the home home category, food, crafts. Like there's some categories that Pinterest is exceptionally good for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Facebook is obviously the, the everyman kind of platform. Yep. We, we had a client, um, have, have a client who sells um, like uh, natural um, – uh, beauty products, health healthcare products, mm-hmm. and they ran a Facebook ad campaign that was actually directing traffic to their e-commerce store mm-hmm. for a natural tooth toothpaste. And so, uh, I guess you know their targeting and messaging was pretty good. They had some traffic coming over to the e-commerce store, but it wasn't a particularly successful campaign for them. But meanwhile, on the Amazon side, which is what we manage, we saw this huge increase in sales over the period that they were running their Facebook ad campaign for. So people were clearly seeing this product show up in their feed, going to the website, looking at the looking at the reviews and the description, and they have really good videos embedded in their product pages too. So like, oh, great, uh, this, is, this is exactly what I need. I want to buy this. I wonder if it's on Amazon. And they would complete their purchase on Amazon instead. Mm-hmm. So- <laughs> Why do you think that is? Just because it's easy? Like it's you go to Amazon, you know what how it's gonna work, you get free shipping if you're on Prime and, and whatever else. Is that why you think? Exactly. So it's just there's um I think most people at this point would still feel comfortable buying from a third party website, especially if it looks credible and they've it's it's they've optimized it well, but they would just prefer buying on Amazon, even if it's a little bit more expensive because they get the free shipping returns they know it's going to arrive in two days they know it's going to be like anything will get taken care of if there's an issue with the product so it's that's why i I do really believe that brands should be on amazon as well as because there are some people that will just they just won't buy something if it's not on amazon yeah 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 so yeah the, the the facebook the the challenge is that Traffic, there's no traffic attribution on Amazon's Seller Central platform. You can't see where external traffic has come from. Um, so what you'll, you'll either have to match up your um, traffic and traffic data from Facebook ads or from AdWords or wherever you're sending traffic from and then kind of try and extrapolate something from Amazon that's not very clean, it's not very scientific. What you could do to get better data is to use a Amazon Associates affiliate link, which you own, mm-hmm. as the URL. So then you can actually log into your Amazon Associates account and see what the traffic and conversion data is to be able to see how effective your campaign is on Facebook or Pinterest. Right, okay. That's the only Smart. way you'll be able to get data. That's yeah. sneaky. Yep. I like sneaky things, Kieran. That's very good. <laughs> and. And then you get the um, 
the affiliate commission. Oh, um, yeah. of course. Because that's like yes. Even at the entry level, that's like four percent, right? Something yeah. Like yeah. So but, you get you you pay Amazon fifteen percent to sell a product. At least you get four percent of that back. Yeah. <laughs> and if they buy any other products in the is yeah. it twenty four hours that you get commission for those too, right? Yep. Very good. That's that was that was worth the podcast. That's there it. you go. Can I, can I go now? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely, absolutely not. But look, I do the same. I mean, because in Australia, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm just not such a good Amazon user. Uh, I've been using Amazon for 15 years buying books. Um, but yep. b- because we don't have the Amazon Prime scenario in Australia, we, we, we can only get books and, and um, uh, Kindle yeah. stuff. And there's nothing available you know, most companies uh, who are listed on Amazon in the US, they don't ship to Australia. Am, am I incorrect mm-hmm. with that statement? That's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, that's accurate. The thing is, if you're a seller, it's really easy for you to switch on the capability to, to sell to customers in Australia and any other country for that matter, Middle East, anywhere that Amazon doesn't exist. But the thing is that <clears throat> you don't get to control the shipping price or the you know, any duties that that customer pays. So often, let's say you're selling the guitar and and you're wanting to buy the guitar in Australia, Ed, um, you might end up, the the postage cost might be crazy because it's coming from the US. Amazon is basically adding adding on all of the shipping charges. So the seller themselves doesn't have any control over the shipping charges. Yeah, and that's, I see that in comparison when I'm looking at, because I get things on eBay quite a lot here, and the same yeah. you know, that happens. To, you know, the same applies. And often you're looking at a product that uh, is getting shipped from the US, and the postage and shipping and handling is as much as the product is. And it's exactly. Going, well, that's yeah. yeah not who's going to do that? But yeah. I mean, I think it's actually got better lately because there's. I think it's called because eBay have their global shipping program, and I think uh, Amazon have that too, or seem to be. Mm. Some of the stuff we work with is much more readily available. Um, I don't think it's called the same thing on Amazon, but it seems like yeah. they're getting a bit wiser about that. It, it, I don't know if they. It seems like they ship products in bulk to the country and then they distribute it from there. Like if you're in Australia, they have like a container or you know a plane that arrives once a day with all the stuff. Um, That's interesting. That might be the case for vendors on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So when Amazon is actually purchasing purchasing inventory from the brand, then mm-hmm. they might look at what the popular products are and they might actually house some domestically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that one day we'll have our own Amazon centre in Australia, but now we're the, the equivalent of a very small state of the US. Um, so yeah. the market, you know, I can, ju- I can see why they maybe haven't expanded to that degree here, but that, yeah. was, that would pretty much eradicate that problem because the stock would be based on the shipping costs internally of Australia. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's probably it's a fairly low priority for Amazon because of the size of the country and the distribution costs. So where they're, where they're investing a lot is, of, is the UK, the EU, India. They're expanding really aggressively into. Mm. Um, but Australia, I, I, I don't see it as a strategic priority for them no, unfortunately. no I, I, I don't either so that's that's a bit of a bummer but uh mm. that's just how it'll be yeah at what yep. point do you think it's worth 
So there's Amazon.com and then there's Amazon.co.uk and like 20 other variations. At what point is it worth moving across or looking at those international listings? Because they all operate pretty much independently, right? From a Yeah. On a few different levels, that's the case. So I, I still believe that the American marketplace is the best place for retail brands to be in order to get the most bang for their buck as they're developing um, their Amazon channel. 318 million people in the US, very high adoption of Amazon Prime. There isn't really, there's no other single marketplace that offers as much um, uh, like purchasing velocity. So I still believe Amazon.com is the best place to start. It is, however, the most competitive because there's a lot of people that are very savvy that have been doing it for a long time in the US and um, sellers are savvy with PPC and it's quite, yeah, it's just quite crowded. Amazon Germany is the next biggest marketplace for Amazon and the, the barrier there is obviously a language barrier. You have to offer, you have to create product listings in the local language. You have to provide customer right. su support in the local language. There's a lot of tools and translation services available today that that help to facilitate that. It's not something that's impossible to overcome. But what a lot of I sort of recommend to a lot of brands to do before Germany is the UK and potentially Canada if they know that there is already demand for their their products and brands in Canada. Just yep. because there's less, you know, there's there's no language barrier. The thing that the thing that will slow you down in an international expansion is covering all the bases from a regulatory compliance and tax standpoint. So with each country, even with Canada, you need to um, get a, a business identification number. You need to register with the Canadian um, equivalent to <clears throat> pay customs and duty taxes and pay, ta pay taxes on sales. The same in, in the UK and Europe. You need a VAT number in order to open an Amazon seller account in the EU and UK. Um, and you need, once your uh, inventory is available in that in any of those countries and once you have a VAT number, you actually do need to start reporting and paying VAT in those regions. So that can be, you do need to kind of make sure that you're going to have, there is enough demand your products to make that worthwhile because you really you need to have an agent on the ground that's most likely going to be an accountant uh putting your returns together every quarter and sending them off like there's just a base level of cost required to get mm -hmm. into each international market right. but it can be very lucrative because it's it's less crowded it gives you it diversifies your business a little bit more because each of your accounts are going to be run separately if anything happens to your U.S. listings or your U.S. account, you'd still be able to operate your U.K. one, for example. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, because I know it's in the book you cover quite a bit of detail on that and have extra resources and stuff. So I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like I was reading through and I'm like, okay, so this is actually a lot more complicated than just setting up an account and shipping products there, especially if you're doing a lot of volume too, right? Yeah, and then – yeah, I guess the first thing is make sure it's going to be a worthwhile activity for you. There are some tools out there that help you estimate demand mm -hmm. for, for similar products in each of those markets. So Jungle Scout is really good. That's a very popular tool. Um, 
there's a couple of others that that do similar like sales estimations. So make sure it's going to be worth your while. Figure out what the costs are going to be to work with an agent, to you know your the customs duties, the cost of transporting inventory over there, and then just talking about the UK and EU for a second that there's a few different fulfillment options that you can then explore. So you can choose to either send inventory to each country individually and have it available in, let's say, you identify the UK, Germany and Italy as your best strategic market. So you send inventory to each of those countries separately, then they're available People are able to buy inventory in each of those countries and it's prime eligible and you control exactly how much inventory you have in each territory. And then there's some other programs that Amazon offers where you can just have, let's say, all of your inventory in the UK and someone in Germany could buy it off of the UK mm -hmm. website. But they're going to pay right. more for that and the shipping time is going to be longer. It's not going to be prime eligible. Mm -hmm. And... The final option, which it, it seems on the surface, I think it seems really appealing. There's a, some complexity, some complexities to it, which is where Amazon will actually move your inventory around for you for free. Right. So you can send it to the UK, and then it might put it in Spain and Italy and Germany, and it won't cost you anything. But that actually opens a big can of worms from a compliance standpoint with uh, okay. each of the countries. And you also, you've got no idea to what extent Amazon's even going to move your inventory around. So mm -hmm. if they don't see that your product is going to be that popular, then they might not move any inventory. They might just move it to markets that, um, you know, you might really want to have your inventory available in France and they just never shift any inventory there. So you don't right. have much control. Yep. So, yeah, there is a, there's a, it can be a pretty, um, pretty time-consuming exercise to, to take that step. but So that's certainly why I recommend looking at the UK and Canada as as first first stops. Yep, yep. Unfortunately, yeah. ni neither of those economies are doing as well as the US. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll go one more question because we've had you for a while. What about what can you do to stop people ripping off your products? Counterfeiters in China are a big deal now with Amazon. Yeah. What? Is there some basic things that a business or brand can do to protect itself? Yeah, this this is a huge question. So I guess the first thing it is to distinguish between a counterfeit and someone who's selling a uh, legitimate um, your uh, selling your products uh, that were obtained legitimately. Yep. So if I'm sell if I sell like a if I sell a, a if if you're a big guitar company, Brendan, and mm -hmm. I'm someone that goes to Target and I see your your guitars are on clearance, I could buy a couple of those and sell them on Amazon, and that's completely fine because those are legitimate um, guitars mm -hmm. that are sold by that brand. I just obtain them through another channel, and I'm selling them. I put a little markup on them, and and I get a little bit of um, profit from that. So Amazon doesn't. They're not going to take any steps against sellers doing engaging in that behavior because they're legitimate right. products. Mm -hmm. So there's not much that brand, especially brands, you know, larger brands selling through multiple channels. There's really not much that they can do about that. You can contact those sellers and say you're not authorized to sell this product on Amazon. We have a list of 
um, resellers who have been authorised by us to sell. They're not allowed to do that, this. Um, but the, in reality, you know, that's a kind of an empty threat because there's really nothing that you can do about it. We do find, so with bobsled marketing, that um, my agency where we work with brands, that is something that we do and we would probably say, depending on the brand and how aggressive the other seller is, we get their products taken down like 50 plus percent of the time. So it's mm-hmm. worthwhile doing. So then the other scenario that you, that you might be referring to here as well is counterfeit products where a manufacturer is just selling an inferior version of your product or selling selling it might be your very own supplier mm-hmm. sensing an opportunity and selling your own product without your permission so in that situation amazon cares deeply about counterfeits mm-hmm. and they will they will take action against those sellers provided they have enough evidence so what you should do in that situation is place a test order of that seller's product. So just just buy, you know, check out one of their products or several of them if they're if if they're um, doing it on multiple listings. And then, especially for Chinese sellers, it's going to take a couple of weeks to arrive. You can actually open a case right away with Amazon to say this. I, I don't feel like this is a legitimate product because it says it was made in Brooklyn. And it's now it's saying it's going to take eight weeks to arrive. This is exactly what we did with one of our clients recently. Right. And <laughs> so this client of ours, they sell these beautiful poster prints. They're, they're um, like infographic style posters. Yep. And so this Chinese seller just cropped up selling the product for like 20% of the retail price. And it was going to ship out in six weeks. And the actual brand is located in Brooklyn. That's where they do all their production. So we opened a case pretty much straight away. When it did arrive, this product, like six weeks later, it was instead of a paper poster print, it was like printed on a piece of tin sheeting and it was like a third of the size. So we just send a picture of that into Amazon and say this isn't this is a counterfeit product and then they took that seller down right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The things that happen. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's it is a shame, but it, it's when something becomes such a big opportunity, and the and the cost is pretty low to to those counterfeit sellers of getting into trouble. I think we will ultimately see more and more of that. So it's kind of it's kind of incumbent on the brand to, to, to keep a really close eye on what's going on on their product listings and checking basically every day to see if there's if there are other sellers doing something like that and taking action against them and hopefully that you know then then you become renowned as a brand that doesn't take any crap right okay so then yeah it's less likely to happen in the future right yeah and then obviously if there's if it's your supplier that's doing the wrong thing then you need to have a really really (laughs) difficult conversation with them yeah yeah Hmm. interesting okay we've had you for a while now anything else that we should know like as a you know and any other strategies or tactics that a business should know about going deep on amazon yeah i guess just one parting shot i think that ppc or pay-per-click advertising on amazon is really where brands will is the best long-term investment for brands 
So when you think about all, all the hacks that are available and things, you know, sending post-purchase reviews to customers and stuff like that, you could spend a lot of time and energy and money in those um, existing opportunities or you could invest in a platform that Amazon makes money for and they're never going to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, when Amazon first brought out its PPC platform, it was super basic, not much functionality. Brandon, I'm sure you kind of look at what is available mm-hmm. on Amazon and just kind of scratch your head why it's so <laughs> basic. But yeah. they have been investing in it over the last couple of years and slowly adding features like negative keywords and more advanced reporting and stuff like that. So that's one area Amazon's never going to get rid of that. They're just going to keep investing in it. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to be um, to be investing in that as a brand as well, but developing that capability um, because it can be ex- it can be extremely effective in driving sales and conversions. Yeah. Yeah, we've used it for a couple of clients and the average cost of sale is nearly nothing. It's ridiculous. So Yeah. Um, and I think there's still like a first mover advantage because a lot of people aren't using it, which is I think why it's like the average cost of sale is like one and a half percent or something. Like it's it's oh, literally wow. nothing. That's so yeah. yeah, that's really cheap. It's <laughs> but really, we also it's... brought a lot of our AdWords stuff to it too, that you know, those optimizations right. that we normally do in AdWords for search. So it's fairly well dialed in and has yeah. very few competitors. So yeah. Yeah, we I mean at Bobsled we we started with just one guy doing PPC and now we have four because it's it's such a huge wow. piece of what we do. And mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely if you're if you've already got data from campaigns outside you know AdWords, Facebook, stuff like that, that's a great start. I will say that, that it depends on the competitiveness of the category though. So if you're getting one and a half percent A cost, I'd say that you're in a very special category (laughs) yeah i mean the competitors aren't very sharp on the marketing that's that's probably Mm. well yeah there you go yeah yeah awesome well thank you once again kiri for taking the time out of your busy traveling schedule i know you're going back and forth and lots lots going on so it was great having you on on the show again to update us about what's going on and uh, congratulations again on the the upcoming release of your new book which we will put in the show notes for the link which of course will be available on amazon and uh, that's right yeah <laughs> and well uh, you know it's, it's pretty fun- fascinating that the one category that they they have they have allowed incentivized reviews to remain is books yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah their core business so you can get yeah. the book for free and it would be great if you wrote a review, but that's the only category that you're allowed to do that in anymore. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> if they set the rules, right? Yeah, that's it. It's their platform. They can do whatever they like. So. Exactly. Which is a lesson in itself. Own the platform. All right. Yeah, it's been great to be on the show again. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. And thanks, Brendan. And uh, have a great day. And we'll... Speak to you next time for another update down the track when other things have progressed on Amazon. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Gary. See See ya. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.